Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful round town, USA, where an atheist was walking in the woods. Suddenly, he heard some leaves crackling behind him. There, coming towards him was a huge bear. He started running and running, and soon the bear was right on top of him. His paw was raised like he was going to strike him, and the atheist yelled, God, help me! Suddenly, a big bright light appeared, and a booming voice said, For all these years, you have despised me. Now you call for help? The atheist said, I'm sorry, God. If you can't help me, can you at least turn this bear into a Christian? Then the light disappeared. The bear knelt down and said, Bless me, Lord, for this meal I'm about to receive. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and thank Him for His sacrifice on Calvary, looking forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us as we speak to your people today. We ask that you prepare their hearts to receive your word and that they will hold fast to that which is good and profit from the words that we speak. In your name, amen. Today, my co-host with the Spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Roundtown, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is Called to Love in Jesus' Name. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really well today. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. You're dressed up nicely. I think you're getting ready for summer. (laughs) Yep. You had a beautiful morning. Yeah, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, we have uh, blue skies and a gentle breeze, mm-hmm. you know. Like I said, people from Shangri-La come here to vacation. They do, yeah. Today we're going to talk about loving in Jesus' name and how that really looks in practical everyday life. And the reason we want to talk about this is because a lot of people have a theoretical understanding about what loving is, but they don't really understand what God is really getting at when he wants to show love in between saints of God in the normal everyday world. And we want to know how God wants to manifest through us because we're called to love in Jesus' name. When you talk about doing something in Jesus' name, it is as if Jesus was doing it. So when you rebuke a demon in Jesus' name, that's as if Jesus Mm. was rebuking a demon. Jesus said, whatever you do in my name, in faith believing, it will be done unto you. Mm -hmm. So how do we love in Jesus' name? What does that look like? How does that play out in a real world day-to-day setting? What's your thoughts, Christy? Well, it's interesting because when we do something in Jesus' name, it's not just a matter of putting that phrase at the end of a prayer, almost like a 10-4 over and out kind of a thing. That's not the point of it. The point of it is in Jesus' name means we are moving on his authority as his representative. Exactly. It's like a a messenger coming from a king that has a message with the king's seal on it. And when that person comes and hands the message to somebody else, the person will read it and they won't take it as being a message from the messenger. They will take it as being a message from the king. Or if you're the one that stands up and reads a decree from the king, people don't look at you and say, well, we're not going to do that. Who are you to give us a decree? 
they recognize if you're reading it on behalf of the king, it's the king issuing the decree. Exactly. And that's exactly what we are supposed to be as we manifest Jesus. We do that with, like you said, the authority that we have over spiritual darkness. We do that with the authority we have over other struggles in our lives. And we do that with the love that we share with other people. It's not our love. There are people that we love in and of ourselves, people that we love from a very human standpoint, people that we can love easily because they're lovable. But there's a love that God has for people that far exceeds our own. And if we allow ourselves to be used by him and we allow him to flow through us, then we love in Jesus' name. It's not like you walk up to someone and you give them a hug and you say, in Jesus' name. It's <laughs> Instead, you come in the presence of God, recognizing his spirit, being sensitive to his spirit. And as you feel him flow through you and his desire to hug that person comes into you, then you hug that person on his behalf. And that's exactly what we're doing exactly. when we're loving, is loving on his behalf. Essentially, what we are on ambassadors of the new heavens and new earth. We have mm. a foretaste of our inheritance, which is the Spirit of God shed abroad in our hearts. And so what we're doing is we're yielding to that Holy Spirit that's within us. And that Holy Spirit is, well, it's just God. Yeah. God who is a spirit and God is holy, hence Holy Spirit. And so God dwells in you. And what he wants to do is manifest his love or reveal his love to another human being. And when you think about this, this is the epitome of how God wants to love us. He showed us a demonstration of that in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the love of God in this world. And now we are the body of Christ. And so God wants the body of Christ and the world to meet Christ in us, the hope of glory. And when they meet Christ in us, well, he does the same thing that he used to do 2,000 years ago. He loves he meets the need of those around us. If you need food, he gives you food by multiplying the loaves and fishes. If you need to get someplace and you don't have transportation, you walk on water. God provides through his saints whatever we need. And the biggest need of the world right now is love. Mm -hmm. That is so true. But it's not a human love. Exactly. That can only go so far as far as meeting someone's needs and, and helping them overcome their issues. There is power in just general love, but the love that the world really needs is the agape love of God. It has to be something that comes from him because only he knows the truth of each person and their situations and what they really need. There are some people, if you walked up to them and gave them a hug because of past experiences or, or whatever they associate that with, they may not receive it as something good. But there are some people that if you just said hello and didn't hug them, they would not be nearly as touched. That's why we need the sensitivity and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need to know exactly how he wants to love a particular person, what he wants us to say, how often he wants us to communicate, if he wants us to touch them, how he wants us to touch them, how much time he wants us to spend with them. All of that has to be at the leading of the Holy Spirit because he's very specific on meeting these specific needs of people. How many times do you feel blessed when God meets a need or blesses you in a way that is very, very specific in a way that nobody even knew? Exactly. Have you ever received something that you really, really wanted, but you never told anybody that you wanted? Have you ever had someone say to you something that just touched your heart in an amazing way, and they had no way of knowing that that would mean something to you? That is how God wants to manifest to his people. Yeah, he can 
come down in his spirit and do those things for sure. But his chosen way of manifesting himself to the earth right now at this time and demonstrating the new heavens and the new earth is through his people because the new heavens and the new earth is made up of the body of Christ as individuals moving as one to serve Christ. That's exactly what we're supposed to represent here. So everything that we do is supposed to be a representation of that and it takes us being sensitive to his spirit to know exactly what he wants us to do, how he wants to flow through us to meet other people where they have a need. And we have to get beyond ourselves, beyond our self-focus, in order to let God flow through us. Yeah. Right now, our traditions of men are withholding the love of God from demonstrating through us. We have taboos. We have things that are simply not done. We have the way things have always been done. We have this whole framework that man has built around God that they thought was a shrine. But a shrine is nothing. A shrine is basically a prison. It's what you think God is. Hmm. You know, people, they build shrines to God, and the shrine in time becomes God. And this is not what we want our doctrines of men to be. That's right. You know, yeah, we want to get rid of all the barriers that hinder God from flowing through us so that God can actually accomplish his will. It is incredibly important in these latter days that we get over ourselves. We get over our self-focus. We get over of focusing on our problems or our lacks. None of that matters. You serve a God who spoke the universe into existence. Nothing is difficult for the guy. And nothing he wants to do through you is difficult for him either. Mm. But when we are focused on ourselves, on our problems, on our pain, on our desires, on what we want, we can't be available to do what God wants unless somehow by chance they coincide. And this is how a lot of people live their lives. I'll do what God wants if it fits into what I'm doing presently or what I want to accomplish in the future. But if it's diametrically opposed to what you want or what you think other people want you to do, you just say, no, God, I'm busy. And this has bigger consequences than anybody can ever understand. I went to Africa and God told me to go there and I just dropped everything and went. I didn't know what I'd do. In fact, I thought I was just there to help somebody else do something. And what happened is that over the course of many years, that became this huge thing that blessed many. It blessed myself. But it was all dependent upon me deciding to do what God wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, with whomever he wanted to do it with. And if I wouldn't have done that, if I would have said, no, it doesn't fit into my preconceived idea because I'm right in the middle of buying a house. I mean, mm. I literally left when I had signed for a house and when I got back, I had a house. Wow. And even that was not in the cards. And so we need to focus on the God who can take us to the place that he wants us to go. And our problems are only problems of man. They're not problems of God. These things that we think are insurmountable barriers, those are only insurmountable barriers to men, mm, not really to true. God. That's really true. God has his child walk on water if he needs to get someplace and there's no boat present. It's not a big deal for this guy. The only thing it takes is faith in him, regardless of what it looks like in the natural. And that is our barrier, isn't it? What it looks like in the natural. And so often I think what keeps us from doing things like dropping everything and going to Africa, whatever that would be in your particular life, is we are afraid. We're afraid 
of what people are going to think or afraid of how is this going to turn out for me or what if I end up having to sleep on the dirt and eat bugs because I'm going to Africa. We have preconceived notions of what following God is going to mean. Because he calls us to die to ourselves and take on his life, we see that as death. We see that as sacrifice. We see that as pain. And while it is a sacrifice in a sense, what it is sacrificing is our own desires, our own will, our own understanding of what something is going to be like. But the truth of it is that God always wants to bless us, and he blesses our obedience. So if we think that turning right is going to be the path of greatest blessing, and it's so clear by our own eyes that turning right is the path of greatest blessing, but God says turn left, and when we peek around the corner left, all we can see is this is going to be terrible, it's going to be bad, I can't understand this. Trusting God and going left when he says to go left is actually going to end us up in a place of greater blessing than if we had gone right. But we can't know that if we're going by our own understanding. We have to be led by faith. We have to be led by his spirit. We have to trust him that when he says, yeah, go left, this is really the best blessing. We have to be able to do that. We don't live to be blessed. We live to bless God. But the more we are obedient to him and the more we yield ourselves to him, we end up being blessed. That's an automatic byproduct of obeying God and living in his presence and walking by his spirit. We can't help but be blessed because that's who he is, being in his presence, being surrounded by his favor. When we please him by our faith, he blesses us. So it's our faith that takes us where we need to go. And we don't need to worry that the path that he chooses for us is going to lead us to misery. There might be a period of time where there's an adjustment. There might be a period of time when he wants to beat down our pride a little bit. There might be a period of time where we have to break off relationships or jobs or situations or let go of something valuable to us so that we can step into what God wants. And that might be difficult for a time, but the blessing that's on the other end of that is going to be far more than what we can imagine. It's really true. And it is wisdom to believe that God means exactly what he says. You know, we're all banking that the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to cover our sin. Yeah. Of which there are many. You know, we're all sinners. We flow short of the glory of God. We're all worthy of damnation. But Jesus Christ promised that if we believe on him, we shall be resurrected into newness of life. And we shall go and live on a new creation, a new world, a new heavens and new earth, wherein draweth righteousness. You know, there's joy unspeakable. And it's full of glory. And we'll be there with those who have come to Jesus Christ also. I mean, we're all banking that Jesus Christ's blood can do exactly what he said. Or else we're just, we're lost. And so if we have that much faith in Jesus Christ to be able to do what he just said he could do by resurrecting us from the dead, We should also have faith that if he wants us to hold somebody, he can do that too. I mean, why is that such a insurmountable barrier for God to do? You're not your own. You bought with a price anyway. You gave anything to Jesus Christ as you accepted his salvation. And if he wants to love another individual through you, if he wants to kiss somebody, if he wants to hold somebody, if he wants you to take them out to dinner, if he wants you to walk with them a while, if you want you to violate every social convention of your church, why not? God gets to do what he wants to with his creation. That's a given. And when Jesus wants to manifest his spirit through you in love, you got to let him do it. Why is this important? It is important because people receive love physically. Mm-hmm. From the time we were children, Mm -hmm. we were taught that people that love us hug us. Mm -hmm. People that love us kiss us. 
people that love us, feed us, clothe us, shelter us. Everything has a physical component. And what God did, he came down in the form of Jesus Christ, who was born of a woman, who was a man, just like you and I. And then what did he do? He loved the world through his son. And now, being that we are Jesus 2.0, he wants to love the world through us. And Jesus did not condemn. Jesus allowed the woman to wash his feet with her tears and her hair. He did whatever needed to be done at the time it needed to be done, regardless of the strict Mm -hmm. social conventions that were thought to be holy. That's right. And everybody that believes that Jesus is who he is knows he did not sin. Exactly. So for him to receive the worship of the woman weeping at his feet and washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair, which even in today's culture would be really awkward to see a woman come in and cry on a man's feet and dry it with her hair. It's pretty intimate and it's pretty awkward. But back then in that culture, it was even more so. That was not sin, even though the people around him thought it was sin. I keep thinking of the story of Jesus meeting the woman at the well and talking with her. The disciples left and he was there alone with her. In Jewish standards, for him to be alone with a woman, talking with a woman, especially a Samaritan woman, about her love life and her many husbands was highly inappropriate. Right. Think about that in most of the Christian churches today. If you walked up and saw your pastor on the wrong side of the tracks, talking with maybe a prostitute one-on-one in private, nobody hearing what they're saying, and he's actually discussing with her, you find out later, her lovers and her love life, we would all have huge red flags going off, saying that is not appropriate. You have to avoid the appearance of evil. and that's Exactly. Why? Why is that bad? Because it's going to lead to something. That act of God through Jesus to that woman was not sin. What it did was demonstrate to his disciples how shallow and blocked they were. Because if Jesus had done what his disciples wanted, when they came back, they said, whoa, you shouldn't be talking to her. She's a woman and she's a Samaritan. If they knew what he had been talking about, they would have even been more outraged. But if he had done what they wanted, that woman would not have been touched. She would have not known the love of God. She wouldn't receive this incredible truth that he imparted to her, that to worship God is in spirit and truth. You don't need to go to a certain place to worship anymore. You can worship him in spirit. Mm. She runs back to her village and shares the gospel with everyone. And many people want to find out who this Messiah is. That would not have happened if... Jesus had been abiding by the Pharisaical laws and done what his disciples and the people around him thought he should do. That's what we need to remember. We are called to love in Jesus' name. We are called to allow him to move through us to love people however he chooses. If that means going and talking to a woman at the well who it's inappropriate to talk to, and that's what God is saying, that's what we do. There are things that are markedly sin for sure, but When we are led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit leads us to what that is. It's not necessarily a rule that your church says that is sin. It's what the Holy Spirit guides you to, the truths that are laid out and the understanding of the truths that are laid out in His Word. But it's an understanding that the Holy Spirit leads me, and when I follow Him, I won't sin. Paul talked about that in the New Testament. When you are led by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Right. It's a matter of learning how to be led by the Spirit, that we don't need to worry about sinning because we're not going to sin if we are really truly following the Spirit of God. But what can happen when we do truly follow the Spirit of God is that God is allowed to love through us and move through us, and that is our highest calling. That's exactly true. And here's another truth, and this is directed towards the pastors that hear this message. Church, as you know it, is done. 
What you have now is a form of godliness that worked a hundred years ago. You're like the Salvation Army. Salvation Army was a big deal when it came out. It really won a lot of souls to Jesus Christ. It was a force to be reckoned with in the spirit. But now the only thing people know about it is a secondhand clothes and a little bell that dingles at Christmas. And one wonders what happened. Well, what happened is that God moved on. And what you have now is the form of the Salvation Army without the power thereof. And likewise, the normative church with their Sunday morning service and Sunday evening service and Wednesday Bible study, that's so 100 years ago. That's not what God is doing now. And you as a pastor, if you really want to serve God in this hour, you will know this and you will aid in the transition to a spirit-led church of individuals that hear God for themselves. You will willingly bring his bride to him and then step aside that his joy might be fulfilled. Mm. And this is your calling right now. Now, very, very few pastors will do this because many pastors believe in the system and they've long since left out following God. But for you that really want to know God and really want to do what he's doing in this hour, you will assist his people in coming out from among them and being separate. Not separate to themselves, but separate to God. We need to go to where God is. And right now, God is not in the normative church. In fact, he's really not in any organized religion that you can put your finger on right now. He's dealing with individuals where they're at in the circumstances that they know day by day. And he's talking to them and they're listening to him and they're doing things by his spirit that don't make any sense to the culture of Christianity. But they are doing the exact heart of God for their situation, for their time, for their people, for what others need. And we need to encourage this. This is a huge sacrifice God is calling you to make. Mm -hmm. He's asking you to step aside. We've come to the until. We've come to the point where the body of Christ is now going to take over the ministry. Our work is done as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The body of Christ now is mature, is coming into the fullness of Jesus Christ, and it's not necessary for us to guide it as a body anymore because now it's under the head. Now the head, which is Christ, is giving the signals to the individuals within the body. And we don't need to direct that anymore. In fact, when we do, it's counterproductive because we do not have the wisdom of the head. We do not have the big picture of the head. We do not see what it sees, what he sees. We need to get out of the way. And this is a huge issue right now. We need to get out of the way. And that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And I know it. I'm just talking to you by pure faith right now. It's hard once you've tasted of the powers of the world to come to step aside for somebody else to take that position. It feels really good to have God flowing through you, to know things that you can't know because the Holy Spirit's talking to you for his people. But I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, the time for you to do that is now over. What you want to do is become the bridegroom's friend and usher his bride to the door and let him open that door and let her enter into the door while you stay outside. And that is the word of the Lord to those who have ears to hear in this generation. Our hearts need to be like John the Baptist. 
He had a powerful ministry. People flocked to him from miles around. God spoke through him to repent, prepare the way of the Lord, and people were baptized under him. And his heart was that I must decrease so that he can increase. Exactly. Very, very hard for us. Like you said, when we've, when we've seen God flow through us and minister through us and the power of God is manifest through the words that we speak or the prayers that we pray, for us to step aside and let God move in that way through someone else is very hard. Our hearts need to be yielded to what God wants to do. And we need to understand, this is so important, that the way that God is going to move in these days by His Spirit is not going to be familiar to us. And it's exactly akin to when Jesus came to earth the first time. The Pharisees, the ones that were very religious and knew the Word of God and studied it and had the deep understanding of what God had said in the Old Testament scriptures, had an idea of what the Messiah was going to look like, what he was going to do, how he was going to be. And when he showed up, they did not recognize him. In fact, they fought what he did. They resisted the move of God through his own Messiah, which is God manifest on the earth, because they were stuck in their own understanding. But it says right here that he would not do that on the Sabbath, so that can't be him. Yeah, exactly. And we need to take that as a real powerful warning to us, because when God is moving in these latter days by his spirit, it's going to be in ways we don't recognize. And it's going to be in ways that we have laws that say, you can't do that. It says right here in this book, the way that I understand this scripture, he can't do that. But guess what? Jesus didn't break any of the real laws of God. Exactly. He demonstrated a true understanding of what God was saying by those laws. And that's what God wants to do in this day and age. I think the Christian church has gotten off such a path of legalism in so many areas that God wants to come and break through that and show them, no, that is not what I meant by this scripture. This is what I mean. And we need to just allow him to be him. We need to be yielded vessels. That's what we're called to be. The greatest demonstration that God wants to give this world is love because that's who he is. He is love. So if we are really yielded to God and stepping into our calling, we're going to be a manifestation of love in some form. Exactly. And that's exactly what we need to embrace. And we need to get ourselves out of the way so that God can flow through us. And that's hard. It's very hard, especially because if we're asked to give up some position of prominence or some blessing that God has given us that we need to yield that to him because he wants to move in a different way, it's very hard. But we will be blessed when God is glorified. It's important that we understand what this really looks like in a natural setting. For instance, if you're sitting in a church, say you're a woman, and God puts it on your heart to go and sit by this one man and put your arm around him, now, generally, if people know you, they won't think that's right, or they'll actually assume that you're his wife or something. <laughs> and so you're going to have to get over the hesitancy to look a certain way in order to do God's will. And by faith, if you get up and you do that and you sit by the man, you put your arm around him, and he feels the Holy Spirit through you, God is working in him. It's not this random act that you just see some guy and you're going to go put your arm around. This is God in you right? putting his arm around that person. And maybe that person now has come to church after 25 years. He's going to try it. It's like his last ditch effort to know God, you know. And when you put your arm around him, he feels the Holy Spirit. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know why. Who is this woman? But he doesn't move. He allows you to put your arm around him. And he feels the love of God, the acceptance of God, the presence of God. And it's a mutual thing. You feel the presence of God flowing through you. You feel the compassion, the understanding, the gentleness, the non-judgmentalness of God. And he begins to weep and to 
pour out his heart and said, you know, I've been so hurt because my father was like this and I thought God was like my father, but you know, I really want God. And because it is a spiritual, a divine union, a divine connection, this person feels like he can just share the most intimate mm. details of his pain with you. And you feel no judgment. Mm -mm. You feel no criticalness. You just want to listen to him. And you think this person is the most beautiful person in the world right now. Why? Because God is filling you. God is moving through you. God is using your body, your mind, your eyes, everything about you to be a manifestation of him to that person that really needs him. And because you were willing to go against convention, you were willing to bear the shame. That man felt God and it totally changed his life. See, this is what connections really are. They're God manifest in your flesh. Exactly. And they're working out his will in the world in a way that normative Christianity will not allow. But does that mean it's any less important? No. It means it's still as important as God makes it. And if you will yield to God, you will accomplish things that are not possible in regular Christianity. That's right. Yield to God. And yielding to God means allowing him to move you. That's the thought that has just come to me just this last couple of minutes. Allow God to move you. Amen. That means in your body, when you're sitting in church and God says, get up and move. That means in your emotions, when God puts on you to weep for someone or to be joyful for someone or however he moves on you, we yield and let him move. And as he moves, he uses our body. And we need to trust him that he knows what he's doing moment by moment. A lot of issue that a lot of people have with spiritual connections is they feel like there needs to be a label on every single interaction. Right. That woman that you just described that maybe got up and put her arm around a man and encouraged him and spoke to him. People will look at that, okay, what does this mean? Does this mean yeah, that they're going to have an affair? Yeah, is, is this more like a brotherly type of love? Is this kind of like a um, she she wants him, he wants her? What What does this mean? But it could be that that encounter was just for that moment, and they never cross paths again. Or it could be that they become deeply connected, and maybe they do end up getting married. Or maybe they just become friends, and this for a few months. We don't know what God is going to do, and we can't put a label on it. When we see God move in a certain way, we can't say, well, this must mean this, and we stamp it with a label, especially with relationships. God's love is so abundant, and there are so many ways that we can love people, and people can be loved by us and through us as God flows, that we don't need to label everything. We don't need to know for sure what does this mean. If I am led to go up and hug someone, what does that mean between me and this person? What it means is that God is using you to minister to that person. It doesn't have to have any other definition than that. But we have to allow God to move us physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually intellectually that's yeah. Yeah, that's another big one too yeah we can't allow our own understanding to guide us let god change our thoughts let god change our understanding and let god move you to whatever location he wants you to be in if he's telling you to move halfway across the world and you have no idea why just do it because there's a purpose for it if god is leading you we can't just be so set on our own ways that we think a certain way all the time, we go through our daily routine without change, we only live in this location. If God says, I want you to think differently, I want you to change jobs, I want you to change locations, I want you to move from these people in your life to this person in your life or these people in your life, we have to be movable. That's what yielding to God is all about. Philip was standing in one place and all of a sudden showed up in another place. Because exactly. God wanted to use him to speak to a man that was coming through. And at the perfect time, he needed to have that understanding. Philip was yielded. And Philip grew from a man who, in the book of John, 
was panicking because they didn't have enough food for everyone. And Jesus <laughs> told Philip, you give him something to eat. Philip was like, what? There is absolutely no way. We do not have enough money. Looking with his natural mind at the money that they had in the bag and the amount of people and how far away the town was, not possible, Jesus. How dare you ask me to feed these people? This is not possible. But his faith grew from that point to where we see him in the book of Acts, where when God says, I'm going to move you over here, he says, go, I'll do whatever you say, go wherever you want, you can do anything. And the power that we see manifest through him is amazing because of his faith. We need to be yielded like that so that we can be used by God and God can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And in the final analysis, isn't that what it's all about? That God gets to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Yeah. You know, anybody in the sound of my voice has X number of years to live before they pass on and rest. You have X number of years. Some it's 60, some it's 30, some it's one. And so what are you going to do with the time that is allotted to you here on earth? Well, this is a death doomed creation. He's going to burn it all up anyway. Anything that you accumulate now is just going to be given to others, and then it's eventually going to just poof and be burned up as Mm -hmm. a fire. And so what are you going to do? What do you think that God really wants you to do? Well, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to do whatever he wants at any time he wants with whomever he wants at any given moment. It's an instant-by-instant thing. He doesn't tell you why no he doesn't tell you the effects he doesn't tell you the consequences if you don't he just asks you to believe and i tell you in a world that is getting increasingly loveless what people need now is love and they don't get the love that they really need because people won't love them people are so caught up in their daily struggles they don't have time and They don't have the energy and they don't have the emotional strength to love others as God wants to love them. So what do you do? Well, you don't try to love somebody else in your own strength. Right. You allow the love from above, the true, the pure, the holy love of God to fill you and then you give out. Right now, people are like two people in the desert. They have a canteen and they're trying to share the love. And when that love is gone, it's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they're just sipping on it a little bit so they hope that they won't die. That's what people in the world are like. But when you have access to God's love, it's like standing next to Niagara Falls with a cup. And you're thirsty, and so you take some water and you drink it. Is there less of Niagara Falls? I suppose in some weird (laughs) infinitesimal way. But it's Niagara Falls, guys. There's plenty where that came from. Mm -hmm. That's how God's love is. When we take our cups and we fill it with God's love, we can give it to everybody and we won't have any less. Exactly. We will have as much as we need and there'll be more. This is God's love. Mm -hmm. This is love from above that if you allow flow through you, touches and affects and changes people's lives. This is why Jesus was so effective. Because he had an unlimited supply of love from above. That's right. And the love from above that flowed through him looked a little different sometimes. Sometimes it was forgiving a woman who was caught in adultery when nobody else would forgive her. Sometimes it was healing someone who had been blind since birth. Sometimes it was just demonstrating love for a woman who worshipped him at his feet. Sometimes it was cleaning out the temple because that was his love for God and the people. This is not right. This is not good. But allowing God to flow through us, you know, when you're the one that's standing out the waterfall, handing out the cups as people come by, you never lack. You might have five. Exactly. You have five people in line just waiting for that 
cup when it's their turn, but you're the one handing it out. When you're thirsty, you take a drink. That's the beauty and the blessing of being the conduit through which God flows. You get to have access to the source. God, the source flows through you and you get all of your needs met. It's a beautiful way to operate. And I can't teach this to you. As you notice, I don't usually use scripture reference. Although all this stuff is in the scriptures. Definitely. I don't quote to you chapter and verse. This is direct revelation of God. And we need to get to the point where we hear God so clearly and so personally that we naturally do the things contained within the scriptures that he wrote 2,000 years ago. We go to the source. The guy who wrote the Bible, the guy who spoke to Isaiah, the guy who spoke to Noah, the guy who spoke to Jesus Christ is right there. And if you listen to him, you naturally do the things contained in Mm -hmm. what he's written before. Exactly. Because he doesn't contradict himself. He doesn't say something different than what he said 2,000 years ago. This is how you become an epistle, a letter, read and known of all men. You just naturally do the things of God because you're being led by his spirit. That's what walking in the spirit is, is just Mm -hmm. yielding and being a manifestation of his love. In Jesus' name, to the specific people at the specific times that he desires. And it has to be done by the leading of a spirit. When Jesus was leaving earth, he said, I'm going to send my spirit who will lead you into all truth. The way that we get to the truth is by the spirit of God. And the depth of the truth that we can gain does not just come from something that we read that God has written in the past. The depth of the truth that we can gain comes only by the Spirit, who might illuminate his scriptures to us, or he may speak to us something different than what it says in the scripture that conforms to the scripture, but the specific directions that we get for our lives are not things that we can find in chapter and verse. Whether or not you're supposed to go to Mongolia is not going to be a scripture reference for you. It's something you're going to know by the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And he might confirm it to you through a scripture or through some outside source or through a picture that you see on the wall or whatever he chooses to confirm it to, but you have to be led by a Spirit. That is how we get into the truth. The first Christians, they called them the way. They were led by the Holy Spirit. And so how did they live? They lived by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God to them personally, as spoken by the Holy Spirit in their hearts. This is how they lived. And this is what everybody thinks we want to emulate without really wanting to emulate it. Right. The church was never perfected as Jesus wanted it to be perfected. It never reached its destination. Therefore, if we make them the measure of what we will become We will be as imperfect as them, even if we follow them perfectly. What Jesus is calling to is beyond New Testament Christianity. Jesus is calling us to love perfectly as he loved. They never did that. They never accomplished it. In fact, when they tried to, Paul wrote about love feasts and spots and blemishes. They never accomplished the full word of God. And that is what we're being called to today. We are being called to love as Jesus loved. Fully, completely, when we do that, then we become like Jesus Christ, into his image and likeness. And when we see him, we will be like him, because we know him and he knows us. It's not a first time meeting. Mm -hmm. And we become into his image, into his likeness. And we are his brother because we are like him. We have the same father. 
There are marks to know whether you are following the Spirit. When Paul wrote, especially to the people of Corinthians, he was encouraging them, be led by the Spirit. But then when he saw the things they were doing, he was saying, no, 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 that's not being led by the Spirit, that's being led by your flesh. This is more of an example of what being led by the Spirit would look like. But he wasn't laying down new rules. He was trying to guide in the direction they should go. The foundation of what the New Testament teaches us is that we don't need someone to teach us. We have the Holy Spirit, and we need to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. Like you said, it's going to go far beyond anything we've seen before because the move of God at this time on the earth is powerful and it's dynamic and it's yeah. different than I think we've seen any time throughout history. But we're called to be a part of that. We're called to love in Jesus' name, which means to yield ourselves and open ourselves and let him flow through us however he wants to do it, however that love looks. If the love looks like hugging someone or if the love looks like cleaning out a temple, whatever God leads us to do, we do it with the love that he instills in us and pours through us and his will is accomplished. That is our highest calling. Yeah, and you are called to that highest calling. Mm -hmm. It's not somebody else. Mm -hmm. The reason that you're listening to us this far into the podcast is that you have a burning desire to know God. Yeah. And that high calling that we're talking about is your high calling. You are called to love in Jesus' name. No matter what you've done, mm -hmm. no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter the deficiencies you think you have, you plus God equals perfection. Mm -hmm. Why? Because God is perfect. And if you get out of the way and you let him fill you fully, his perfection becomes your perfection. That's the only way anybody gets perfect. In and of ourselves, we'll never reach that. It's impossible. It's just not in us. But God, who is already perfect, if he gets to fully manifest himself through you, he will do things that you would not believe if he mm. told you today. That's right. That's it's just right. an amazing thing. When you get into the domain of God, the flow of God, into that place with God that you walk with God, everything you do in your life becomes meaningful. It becomes a manifestation of his love. You become the Logos. And the little things that you do day by day become very meaningful. Why? Because it's God doing them through you. This is how you become a Christian. This is how you become Christ-like. It's not through going to Bible college or learning a bunch of rules or knowing a bunch of doctrine. All that kind of stuff just puffs you up, just makes you proud. That is something that God can't work with. But when you are a humble and contrite spirit, God looks for you. Hmm. God sees you. You may have just totally failed in life. And you're at the point where you say, God, I don't got much, but what I've got, I give to you. He says, I can work with that. Mm -hmm. I can work with that. Absolutely. Now we will begin the Christian life. We are telling you this. Why? Because God has called you. God has formed you in a specific fashion for a specific destiny. He knew you before the foundations of the world. You're name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And the only one that can take it from that scroll is you. You have a destiny. I don't care what has happened to you in your life, what you have done. The blood of Jesus Christ can forgive anyone who comes to him with humility and wanting to repent of their sins. It's only a question is, do you want to serve God? Do you really want to commit to him? Do you really desire to be a servant of the Most High. If that desire is there, there is a place for you in God's kingdom. It is a foregone conclusion 
that if you want to serve God, he will make a way. I do not care what your circumstance is. You may look at your circumstances. It is impossible for me to serve God in the hell hole I'm in. Wrong. If you will but believe God and look at him and not yourself, God will make a way. If he has to part the Red Sea, he will make a way. And it will be for his glory. And people will look at you and say, that was impossible. And you'll say, yeah, but God did it. God will just supernaturally pick you up and set you on solid ground. And he will make a beautiful thing of your life that you destroyed. He will make beauty from ashes. And you will say, God did it. I couldn't do it, but God did it. And I praise his name forever. God's calling you to love as he loves in Jesus' name. This is a sacred thing. It is a beautiful thing. Yes, it is. Very beautiful. And there's no way to understand it until you step into it. You've got to experience it to know the beauty of it. And it's not just a beauty for the people around you. It's a beauty for you and your life. You want to know the ultimate fulfillment in life. It's to be aligned with the will of God and answer this call to love and do whatever he asks you to do as a manifestation of that love. And you will find that your life is way beyond satisfied compared to anything that you could do to try to achieve that. That is the way he's going to change the world. It's not going to be some top-down, imposed-upon super doctrine that we come to agreement on. It's going to be individuals simply following the Holy Spirit and letting his love flow through them, not bound by any doctrine, not bound by any creed, not bound by any preconceptions, but simply allowing God to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, with whomever he wants to do it with. The love of God is going to show forth from us in such a degree that it will infect others with his love. It's the greatest power that there is because it is the nature of God. God himself is love. So when God moves on the earth, it will be by love and through love, and there's no power greater. This is the word of God. If you're here, it's for you. And we really appreciate you getting this far in the podcast. We talk about a lot of things, and God says a lot of things, and we know that it's just specific people that listen to this. And I pray that God bless you for having the courage to get this far. And as usual, we're going to give you another gold star for your growing collection. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. <laughs> and we appreciate you so much. You know, these are, I wouldn't say desperate time, but they're very, very important yeah, times. Yeah, they really are. And God is reaching out to people across the globe to tell them what is going on without filter and without restriction. And so we want you to know that we do not condemn, we do not think you're doing bad, mm -mm. but we do want to give you the truth. That's right. So take what makes sense to you, what mm -hmm. impacts your spirit, and run with that. Right. The other stuff, don't worry about. That's right. And we will just continue to talk about what God talks to us and try to be as transparent as we can so that you can go and do the work of the ministry. That's right. You're very important to the work of God in this hour. So embrace what he has for you fully and go and do it. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to God's Love Club. We appreciate you so much. We love you. May God bless you during the week and keep you from dashing your foot against any stone. Mm, yeah. You have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.